Uh, Sam Adams released its uh, Utopia beer, which I, <laughs> it's probably debatable to even call it a beer at this point because yeah. it's 28% alcohol. It is, uh, I like to say it's illegal in 13 states. I don't know that that's true. It's actually not sellable in 13 states because it's so high in, right. in alcohol. And our friends over at Perfect Pour actually have one of them. It comes in like almost a copper chalice decanter. Like the bottle itself is super cool. And uh, and I believe they're going to do uh, some kind of like tasting at some point. You know, maybe one ounce pours or, or something like that. So... This is Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends and I like to hang out and relax over craft beers and really, really good food. We want to take you on a journey as we discover these new and exciting places. Come along for the ride. If you enjoy these podcasts, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a really good rating. Thank you for joining us. Now off to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four now of Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale CrossFitter. Uh, today we are shorthanded a bit. Uh, today I have Kit Hagen with me. What's going on, Kit? Hey Scott, how are you? I am tremendous. Uh, so are you uh, tremendous due to your Bears win. Uh, Cowboys. That probably has a lot to do with it. I'm also coming off a very long bout with the flu oh, right. uh, and finally feeling good. So uh, that's that's really why I'm tremendous. Well, I have to make one comment about the Bears, right? So I gave you a little bit of grief on, on text about their 1% chance of making the playoffs. And you, I think, correctly pointed out that now they have a 2% chance, <laughs> which, bully for you, that's great. But as a Packers fan, this is playing out to my perfect scenario, which is the Bears are not good enough to make the playoffs, but also good enough to get a really crappy draft pick. So I'm happy about well, it. Well, see, we threw the draft pick out the window a long time ago when we brought in Khalil Mack. So oh, we don't even have a first round pick right, this year. Right, there you go. So it doesn't really matter how crappy we finish. Um, so 500, you know, we're okay. seven and six now. And next week we're off to Green Bay. That's right. That's right, and we've talked about doing a podcast just about that, so we'll have to think about that. Yeah, so if the Bears went out, they have a very good shot, but their road is not easy. So why don't we place a beer bet on the, the game next week? I will commit to a six-pack of Spotted Cow, Wisconsin's best beer, and you commit to a six-pack of what do you think's Chicago's best beer. Huh. I, I don't know. Um, I was actually thinking where I grew up in Pennsylvania, there's a, a local brewery there that's really good uh, that I could throw in there. Um, but uh, you name it. All right. We'll you you name the Chicago beer. I'm a big fan of uh, Revolution Brewing out of Chicago, so maybe we'll find something there. Okay. All Sounds right. good. Because uh, if we do get past you, then we have the Chiefs and the Vikings to finish off the year. Oh. Well... I mean, as much grief as I was giving you about Mitch Trubisky, who I have dubbed Christian Ponder 2.0, he did ball out in that game. So, But he's just so up and down, you know, and it's hard to tell if it's his 
immaturity or if he's just that type of quarterback. So. I think when he has when he has the freedom to run, yeah. he plays much, much, oh, yeah. much better. Totally agree with that. Um, and he actually has a lot of athletic ability, and he made a lot of people miss Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I am I'm a Bears fan, and I'm not convinced of, with Trubisky. Right. So I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. So. <laughs> But anyway, we wanted to really start off today with first is now now that we're doing a podcast and it's out there publicly and we're on all the major platforms, we get fact-checked uh, just like everybody else. Right. So the first thing I wanted to do is just make sure our Dukes of Hazard history is correct. Uh, I mentioned in the last podcast that Barbara Bach played Daisy Duke. That's right, he did. Barbara Bach is actually a Bond girl and she really did marry Ringo Starr. So and they were, are still married today. You were generally very correct on the Barbara Bach piece. However, yes. however, Catherine Bach is who played Daisy Duke. I got my box mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and, and to your point, that means people are actually out there listening, and that we have to be correct on what we say here. So we appreciate the uh, the listener support there. I correct. still am very much in favor of a Dukes of Hazard beer pairing podcast. I think that would be probably not my favorite set of beers, uh, but I think it could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to uh, some other pieces from last week. We met, we talked, we had a couple conversations, uh, one about um, the pick sixes at all the different Kroger's or giant Eagles or, or whatever supermarket or grocery you use. Um, and we actually had a friend, he works for Sweetwater uh, down in Alabama. Uh, they're actually out of Georgia, but he, he is, works for them in, in Alabama. Uh, and we're going to call this the Bacon Report. Uh, he filled us in on some information on a couple key items we talked about last week. And so first he said, uh, all those pick sixes, uh, the selection is determined by the wholesaler, not by the grocery. Right. And we, we kind of talked about that a little bit off off air, which is, I guess that makes sense because a, a lot of times I walk up to those pick sixes and, and while there's stuff I haven't tried, there's not a lot of stuff that I am like, Oh, I want to, I want to grab that or, or maybe conversely beers that I'm like, Oh yeah, there's one I really like. So I'm going to drop that in my pack. It's always stuff that you've never had. And so I guess the, the strategy there is put a bunch, it is a sample pack. That's what it's designed. They, they know people are using those to taste new beers. So they're dropping in a bunch of different kind of random stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm with you. Like there's a lot of stuff I've never had, yep. but it's not something I get like all chilled about that. Yeah. I get a, a chance to try. Yeah. Um, and so at the end for me, like craft beer stores are better for me. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. And it's, and it's supporting a local business. Yeah. Well, so, and to that point, because um, one of the things that I, you know, that, that becomes a problem for me with the pick sixes is that you are only limited to the ones that they put out on the shelf, right? And so I always want to break some other six pack <laughs> somewhere on yeah. the shelves, right? And you do have some of the craft beer stores like like Perfect Pour. We'll, we'll talk about those guys here in a little bit. Um, they sell a lot of, they, they sell almost all their beers, I should say all, but maybe 40% of their beer or something like that as an individual bottle. So you can go and, and they'll happily break up a six pack for you so that you can try something. And that way you're, you know, you're not dropping 15 or 18 bucks on a six pack, trying it and then hating it and having five beers 
Although we have a solution for that. Our, our, we've debated our, uh, or talked about our black bag beer <laughs> uh, podcast. You want to talk about what that is? Yeah, when we get uh, closer to the holidays, which we're actually getting pretty close now. Uh, so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a black bag podcast where everybody brings their favorite beer and their least favorite beer. We're going to drop it in a black bag. You have to draw two. Yep. And you have to drink both of those beers That's during right. the podcast. The whole beer. Yep. And there's going to be, I already know a couple of beers that I'm going to bring that are horrible. That you're only allowed to bring one horrible one. <laughs> and we uh, we have outlawed sours for that. <laughs> have we though? Oh, I have. <laughs> all right. I, I guess I can agree to that. Although I have a, a sour that is just ridiculously bad. But okay, that's fine. Uh, so uh, back to the bacon report, real quick. Uh, bacon also told us that we, we had to talk about how big do you get, and you're still considered a craft beer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so he actually had some numbers for us and he said craft is defined by the amount of barrels produced in a year. The max has been, has been lifted two times to keep Sam Adams and Sierra under the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, so microbrewery is less than 15,000 barrels a year. Craft brewery is 15,000 to 6 million uh, so that is that is the cutoff as to craft brewery and microbrewery. Okay. All right. Well, now we have some actual facts to back up some of the stuff that we've been talking about, right? So thank you, Bacon, for those accurate sort of data points within the beer business. And we will continue to use him as kind of our, our yeah. beer insider. And, and he does have one other fact I want to talk about okay. before we go. The New Belgium sale. Oh, yeah. Um, he actually has some friends that work for New Belgium. And we talked about how, how would you turn over your brewery and for how much would that be? Right. And what I, what he actually told me is that, uh, it's an employee owned business. New Belgium was. So every employee that's vested made money on that sale. Yeah. And the least vested still made six figures on that sale. That's fantastic. And, and good, good, good for for them, good for the employees. Um, it's great that leadership there um, had the foresight to set it up that way. Uh, you know, you get, you really get your employees invested in the entire business. So I, I, I think that's the right way to go about it. Yeah, and good for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that also is is that is that the end of the bacon report? Because I don't want to. That is that is the end of the sizzle. That's the end of the sizzle. <laughs> We've reached our our twelve strip limit. With yeah. Okay. But I think that dovetails nicely into another topic that just occurred this week, which is the sale of Ballast Point to a brewery no one has ever heard of. Yeah, we were all scratching our heads when we were texting back and forth this week. That is, it still is crazy to me. But yep. you know, when when people have money from other ventures, yep. uh, and get to buy a toy, yep, uh, they get to buy the toy. Yeah, so. So a, a, a Chicago brewery called Kings and Convicts acquired Ballast Point. I, I read a couple articles out of the Chicago Tribune on it, and there are a number of really kind of interesting things there. First of all is just the size disparity, right? So to kind of use, you know, Bacon's categorization, 
and to give people just sort of a, a scale component here, Kings and Convicts made 660 barrels of beer last year. That's it. Uh, Ballast Point at their max was 450,000 roughly. I think they're down to about 250 now, but still a massive brewery. And also had the distinction of being the highest valued beer sale ever. So they valued, when they when Constellation bought the Ballast Point, they paid a billion dollars for them. Wow. Yeah, it was a big deal. And, and now they didn't disclose the acquisition price of Kings and Convicts Ballast point, but the article implied that it was significantly less. Wow. So here you have a 660 barrel brewer buying a 250,000 barrel brewer. I, someone on Twitter said it read like an April Fool's joke, and I kind of <laughs> agree with that. Like, it's insane. Yeah, I, I would agree, too. Uh, it was really hard to believe when you, when you reported that to us this week. Um, have you had Ballast Point? Have you had the I think their most famous beer is the Sculpt. They have a whole line of Sculpins, which is uh, kind of their flagship IPA. And then they do a bunch of variants of it. They do a, a grapefruit Sculpin. They actually do a Habanero Sculpin, which is kind of an interesting beer. I believe I have had it. Uh, not the uh, the one-offs, yeah. but the, the straight down the middle, the IPA. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what I rated it. or. Yeah. It wasn't memorable. I, was, yeah. I mean, it was good. I think they were... It is a good beer. Uh, they're based out of California, I think, the general San Diego area. I'm sure people will fact-check me on that. Um, and, I, and I think they 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 have made good beers, and, and they do good beers. But just just the, the size disparity here is, is mind-blowing. And, and the other thing is I read that the way this came about was the Kings and Convicts guy was out golfing with one of the Constellation brand guys. And just happened to say, "Hey, what are you doing with Ballast Point?" And, and that led to the sale. And so, so don't ever be afraid just to ask, right? Yeah. Well, and it's a way to get into the business without having to to work through the build process too. That's right. Yeah. You know, um, instant scale, instant distribution. I mean, Ballast Point is is all over the country. So, hey, if you can, if you can, if you have the cojones to make that ask and then pull it off, you know, good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So anything else uh, this week we want to talk about? Uh, let's see. One, well, two other things, I guess. One is um, the, uh, I don't know if it just released. I don't think it just released, but it, it was released in, within the past, I think maybe month or two. Uh, Sam Adams released its uh, Utopia beer, which I, it's probably debatable to even call it a beer at this point because it's 28% alcohol. It is, uh, I like to say it's illegal in 13 states. I don't know that that's true. It's actually not sellable in 13 states because it's so high in, right. in alcohol. And our friends over at Perfect Pour actually have one of them. It comes in like almost a copper chalice decanter. Like the bottle itself is super cool. And, uh, and I believe they're going to do uh, some kind of, like, tasting at some point. You know, maybe one-ounce pours or, or something like that. So uh, so Mikey and the gang over there at, at Perfect Pour are going to set that up. And uh, hopefully we can try and attend that um, and see what it tastes like. Yeah, that'd be really cool. 
you you like the high alcohol stuff as much as I do, or are you kind of in between? No, I, I do like it. Uh, I have the problem where uh, slowing down on it and, and stopping. Yeah. Right. Uh, speaking of high, al- content, high alcohol content, uh, we are actually interviewing the owners of Zaftig Brewing this afternoon here in Columbus. Uh, I actually went to their original location and tap room on Huntley near the Budweiser plant right. last night. And it was, the, the beer was great. Like I, I really did enjoy, you know, sometimes you go to a brewery and some stuff's good. Some stuff's right. I really enjoyed it pretty much across the board. Yeah. I, I uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I like about Zoptig. Uh, I went there for my birthday. Actually, Mary set that up for me. So we went there and, and, you know, did a bunch of samples for my birthday. I'd never been there. It was in July. I also like just the irony of the fact that they are literally in the shadow of Budweiser over there. I mean, like, here's it's like this little sprout growing in the concrete of this massive bud plant over there, which is really, I think, cool to me. The people that work there are great, very friendly. They just opened a new tap room in Italian Village, which is, I believe, where you're going to go and do the podcast. That is, and we're going to promote the opening of that new brew pub nice so they're calling the one on huntley the tap room okay and the one in italian village the brew pub oh nice nice and and to your point i am a huge fan of their style of beers they tend to do high alcohol stuff um we talked and they have a bunch of really good ipas uh hazy miss daisy is a great one i think you had bamalam the other night i did um i had uh, juicy lucy yeah Right. Uh, their amber was really good. Yeah, I, have, I think it's heavy-hearted amber. Um, they also had a peanut butter stout called Nuts for You. Is it stout or porter? It was in in there, and then they did a barrel-aged version of it, and they had a limited release of it. And I bought a six-pack, and it was fantastic. So right now they have two barrel-aged uh, at the Huntley location. Uh, they have the the heavy-hearted amber mm. as a barrel-aged, and they have. So I want to say one of their IPAs is a barrel aged. Oh, really? I was because I was surprised it wasn't one of the stouts. Yeah. Um, I did not try those last night. I did have to drive home. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, right. But they, what I did like too is they bottle. Yep. Um, and they have singles of their bottles in the Huntley location, oh, nice. and you can do a mix six uh, at at the brewery. Oh really? I guess I didn't realize that because I went in there and, and I bought that that uh, I bought a four pack of the of the uh, barrel aged um, stout and I guess I didn't realize it they did individuals. That's cool. Like yeah, that. you you can buy a four or six of their just regular all the same kind, or you can do a mix six of their right. of their beers. So um, I actually have one up in my fridge right now. Nice. Uh, so. Uh, I can try in the comfort of my own home and not have to drive home after. I like that. Well, that's awesome because, um, well, one, obviously you and I both like that brewery. I'm, I'm really interested to kind of hear their story, you know, kind of like we got the story out of Olentangy River Brewing Company, how they came about, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to hear. Well, and the big difference is, you know, Olentangy is a year old, yeah. right? We went to the one-year anniversary uh, Zaftig has been around since 2013. Yeah. So they've been in the game a little bit longer yeah. than Olentangy. So I'm, in, I'm interested to hear the contrast between why they got into it back then yeah. before it was kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, and to your point, they're, they're expanding. 
right? So now right. they're at two locations, and they, uh, you know, they are available locally in grocery stores and uh, and pretty much all the major craft beer stores. So they, you know, they are a little I, bit more mature, as you, as you say. And I was talking to the bartender last night. They're actually available statewide in Ohio. Nice. Uh, they do all their own southern distribution themselves. Okay. Uh, up along the lake, they actually hired a distributor, a distributor, a distributor uh, to do that for them, right. uh, so that they can be available all along the northern part of Ohio. That's awesome. Well, I, I probably one of my favorite breweries, if you know, if not my favorite brewery here in Ohio. Um, just very consistent. Um, and we always talk about style. They, that's just a brewery that their style fits well with what I like. And and sort of speaking of that, we have brought a couple of beers today to try. <laughs> and and I want to I want to caveat the fact that that Scott and I are sitting here and it is actually nine thirty a.m. Right. <laughs> It is. So I rolled in to Scott's podcast center this morning with three beers in my arm and a coffee <laughs> because that's, that's kind of where we're at. Right. Yes. But it maybe speaks to the brilliance of Olentangy rivers pairing with Roosevelt coffee because <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So, so anyway, we have, I have three, uh, Imperial stouts. Now that, that might be an odd, uh, Pairing for 9:30 a.m., but one is called the Canadian Breakfast Stout, so there is there's that, and that is one of my favorites of all time. And I knew that, right? So I brought that along. I, I also have decided, you know, last last podcast we coined a, a new beer term, the beer parachute, when you dump your your flight, right? Right. I I've coined another new term for 9:30 a.m. drinking. It's Instead of alcoholism, well, there is that. <laughs> there is that. Uh, this is instead of working out, we're beering out. So, so you know, maybe the people over at Shred will appreciate that, or okay. not, or not. Maybe or, I don't know. Or, or not. We might get in trouble. You, you might get disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have Canadian breakfast stout from Founders. Uh, a variant of their um, regular breakfast stout, and then they also have a Kentucky breakfast stout. This is the Canadian version of it. It has some maple syrup in it, a little bit sweeter. Uh, I also have Dark Truth uh, Imperial Stout stout from Boulevard, which is actually a St. Louis-based brewery who does, I think, really good high-alcohol beers. They they also have a a barrel-aged quad that you can get at Giant Eagle. That's really good. Um, And also, maybe on a different scale, but is, you know, also in the shadow of Bud, right? Yeah. (laughs) Bud owns St. Louis, and here they are creating these great beers. And then lastly, and most importantly, I think, for me, I was able to secure a bottle of the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout, the 2019 version of it. This is the beer that uh, I know we've talked about the uh, the book Barrel Aged Out and Selling Out, which sort of chronicles the development of of Goose Island and its selling to InBev and all of that stuff. And this is the beer that apparently is credited with starting most of sort of the barrel aged craze in craft. So we need to pay homage. We do. We do. I've never had it. You, I don't think you've had it. I don't. I, I have not. 
So I'm pretty excited to try that. We we got uh, the guys at Perfect Four got an allocation of it, and you could only buy two bottles. So I have one here and one in the dusty cave at home. Nice. So are you, you ready? You ready to go here? Let's do it. All right. So Founders Canadian Breakfast Stout. I always like to, I think Mike did this the other day, and I think it's good. Just read a little bit of what's on the bottle. So Imperial Stout brewed with chocolate, coffee, aged in maple syrup, bourbon barrels. Have you been to Founders? Uh, I've been to their tap room. I don't know if I've been to the actual brewery. Okay. Uh, I used to do business in Grand Rapids a couple, oh, really? every couple years. Uh, so that is one of my favorite places in the world to go. Founders is my favorite brewery. It is. Um, nice. And I didn't. I knew you really liked it, and I knew you really liked this beer. I didn't know it was your favorite brewery. That's it, it is because uh, I used to. I used to go there every couple years. Uh, the rotation was about every two years we were up there. Uh, so I, yeah, I really enjoy it. I have never been, and I've wanted to do kind of the founders bells sort of Michigan swing. We may need to schedule like a field trip. Yeah, I know. I know we want to do a Pittsburgh one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we want to do the Michigan one would be good too. So, tasting this beer, so good. Even uh, at nine thirty a.m., so good. Just like I remember, <laughs> that's good. I feel too like I'm prepping you for the Zoptig uh, experience <laughs> this afternoon. You might yeah, need to take a nap. I might need to take a nap. Yeah, that is. Gosh, man, they, they just do such a good job. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, stouts are a, an interesting beer for me because a lot of times when we have people over or, you know, or I'm out with my buddies or whatever, stouts are kind of a, like a dividing line, right? There's some people that I order a stout, and no matter what stout it is, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you drink that, right? Yeah. And I get it. I can't believe you chew your beer. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I get it, right? I mean, for many years, I think stouts were were kind of, I always describe them as almost leathery tasting, you know, mm. kind of tobacco-y. And, and now you got Guinness in there that is kind of you know, the flag bearer, and that, that is a great beer. There's no, there's no two ways about that. I think the key for me with the, with, in getting into stouts is when they started barrel aging. Because it really smooths out that leatheriness, right, and that tobacco-iness. Yeah. So I'm a big stout fan. Um, I didn't used to be like I kind of like grew into it. Yeah. I, it's probably like coffee or yeah. Yeah. or anything like that. Um, and uh, you know, Guinness is the gateway. Yep. And and it's solid. Like it is just oh, yeah. a solid right down the yeah. fairway stout. Uh, but a lot of breweries have done a great job with. Uh, I think their stouts moving forward. Yeah. So if this is if this is one of your favorites, give me a couple others that you that maybe we don't so, have. Here, so I do want to I do want to tell you a story just real quick. Is uh, I was actually with Mike, who is some is sometimes on our podcast, right. and our friend Amy, and we had done a workout at Shred, and we decided to go to the Winking Lizard afterwards for lunch, and we rolled up to the Winking Lizard, and they had just tapped. The KBS. Ooh, 
That is, that's the other variant of this of this beer, and it is a great beer. Right, and so I one I couldn't believe that someone actually had it on tap. Uh, so to not only get it, but then to get it on draft, like that was just a great day. It's there's sometimes when you get just the perfect pairing of beer, beer friends, yes. Food. food it just it, it just all went together yeah. that day and um that was like one of my made that perfect beer day for right. me i love it I so love it. um so we had a blast that day um and i got and, it, and that beer is if you've not had the kentucky breakfast out it is amazing now, i i've heard rumor that they're gonna stop making oh really the kentucky breakfast out I so so contrast. I mean, we're not sitting here tasting the KBS. We're we're drinking the CBS. But c- contrast them. So um, so I'm also a bourbon fan. Yeah, I, I like bourbon. So to me, I would say the Kentucky is a little smoother. Yep. Um, it doesn't have that maple feel to it at all. Uh, it. I, I like the notes on the KBS a little bit better than the CBS. And now I do, I but I enjoy the CBS a lot. Yeah, it's just um, I, I like those bourbon notes a little more uh, than the Canadian whiskey. This is Canadian whiskey, right? Yeah, and and uh, I think it's a little bit sweeter than the KBS. I, I would agree. So so you have to you have to want a little bit of sweet, and and again, some people don't like that, right? And I don't and. For actually several reasons, this isn't a beer that you want to drink three of, right? It's Correct. Because it's, I think, uh, probably says here, eleven point three percent alcohol, right? <laughs> so, I the reason I like this beer and this whole line is it, we we did the, the Christmas beers, you know, last podcast, and, you know, for a reason. Obviously, that's the time of season we're in. But the other thing, like at a at a sort of larger seasonal level for me is I like drinking stouts kind of in the fall and winter. It, it, to me, it feels like the right seasonal beer pairing. I agree. You know, I'm not drinking a lot of Hefeweizens in the, in the winter. I'm drinking those in the summer, but I'm drinking a lot, you know, more stouts. It's more of a sipping beer. Just kind of you're inside. It's cold outside. You're having one of these tasty stouts. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And, and just a, one more difference is that, that after, the after on it, um, where the the bourbon is more of a warm kind of settling yep. after. This is sharper, yep. uh, more like that Canadian whiskey. It it it, it mesh. The after is the is the barrel. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I, I think I like that note at the end of the KBS a little bit more. But but again, we're 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 talking. You're splitting hairs. Splitting hairs, and and I still really enjoy the CBS. So, what's the what's the rating for you? Uh see. So the in this line, these are like you hit my sweet spot right here. So I nine seven five for the CBS. Yep. Yeah. Uh, where the KBS would be a, a, a 10, ten for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I this doesn't quite hit ten for me. I I would agree with you on that. Um, but it for me it's probably a nine nine and a half. Sure, and I just I enjoy the style. They do a good job with this one. Um, a lot of times, I think the risk in barrel aging 
especially when you get a little bit outside the bourbon barrels, is that kind of alcohol piece on the back. And they do, I think when they put the maple syrup in here, it really helps to smooth that out. I agree. Yeah. So I, And it uh, yeah. does kind of taste like breakfast. I know. I was just thinking that. It actually <laughs> sort of is kind of thinking about pancakes right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm not thinking bacon necessarily, but like some waffles with some yeah. pecans and syrup on them. Yeah. I, I, I could go down that road. <laughs> oh, speaking of rating, I do have a little bit of a, of a tidbit for you, an, an, an untapped tidbit. Based on our conversations the other day, right, I, uh, I was thinking about check-ins, right? So you can check in you can, on Untapped. For those of you who aren't on it, you can, you can not only uniquely check in a beer, so this is the first time I've had this beer, but then you can say, you can check it in if you've had it again and you know, count the number of times I guess you've had a beer. For me, I only really check in a beer once because I, I don't need to know that I drank it like. So I'm up to 950 check-ins. Now, for those of you who are going to say, well, that indicates a drinking problem. I might, it, it does. I might slightly agree with that. However, <laughs> I've been on Untapped for several years. So Now, my buddies, who I, you know, who I think we're going to at some point get on the podcast here, my Seattle buddies, they're all up over 1,500 check-ins. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of chickens. Like, you know, it's going to take me years to get there, right? So then I started wondering, what is the most uniques out there? So I Googled it, and there are people with 14,000 unique chickens. What do you think about that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was impressed when um, our one friend, Jason, he, he hit over 1,000 maybe a year ago. And I was pretty impressed. Yeah, uh, fourteen thousand is just not even conceivable to me. I, I when I when I googled it, there was a little bit of a, I think it came up on a Reddit post or something, and people were sort of like, "How is that possible?" And you know, and, and they were sort of questioning the validity of it. And but there are I think several people that are at that number, and at least one of the guys. Uh, chimed in and was like, he's 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 traveled globally, and he's like, I'm on the road, you know, 250 days a year, and wherever I go, I stop in and I'm doing a sampling, you know. So if you're doing four or eight beers, you know, and you've been on Untapped for five years, and you know, you could get to that number, I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure you've drank a lot of bad beer in, the, in, the, in that time. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was, and that was the other thing I was thinking is like, there's stuff that I'm not going to drink. And so I'm not even going to try. And so it's going to limit the, the numbers there. Yeah. So just in reference, I I don't even know if I've hit 400 yet. If I have it, it I just did. Um, I, I guess I could take a quick look. Um, I logged last night at Zaftig, 385, 385. So I'm, 
I am way behind, um, way behind everybody else. I'm sure, but I, I will say, and, and I'm sure the untapped people would be very happy to hear this because I think it goes right to the value of their model and the app. It causes me to try stuff. I, oh, I, yeah. I frankly like kind of seeing how many different beers I've tried. And, and I always am trying to find different beers. I mean, I have my go-tos and I, and I, I know what I like and, but, it, but it does, I'll go into a, uh, uh, you know, a restaurant or a bar or whatever. And almost immediately I'm looking for stuff that I've never drank. It, that's all I do anymore. Yeah. Uh, unless, so like last night, uh, my wife and I went out for dinner, uh, I knew that Olentangy River released the snow pants winter variation of their "I Can't Feel My Pants." Uh, so I, name. That's awesome. so I, uh, I knew that I wanted to stop in and have one of those. Yeah, even though I've had it before. Yeah, uh, it it's a it's a coconut variation of "I Can't Feel My Pants." Wow, how was it? Uh, well, I, I've had it. I had it last year, and they could not keep it in stock. In fact, they refused to sell it in a growler last year because they, they were selling out of it so fast. Yeah. Why sell it in bulk when you can sell it individually or buy the glass for six bucks or whatever it is? Right. right. So it, it was really good, just like I remembered. Um, that and It has a little bit of cinnamon in it, too. Oh. So coconut and cinnamon uh, in that imperial stout. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. Highly recommend. Yeah. You know, th that's another interesting thing about stouts is... They seem to really take to adding of flavors, right? Like, like, I think people have tried that certainly in other beers, and they have success. I mean, you 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 referenced uh, like hazy Miss Daisy. You have all these hazy IPAs that have a lot of citrus and stuff in them. And I think people are trying to add all kinds of stuff. I saw something about like juniper berries the other day. I'm like, okay, whatever. You're getting you're getting a little crazy. But there's something about the stout that like the body of that beer really holds flavors well and pairs well with certain flavors. Well, and that's something that actually Bacon wrote in his, in his comments to us last week uh, when we were talking about the Sam Adams holiday beer, ah. uh, that it being a lager, yeah. it's going to hide the, the flavor of spices oh, yeah. more than an ale would. Yeah. So even though the, it says it has spices in it, and we kept saying, I can't really taste right. the spices in it. He said it's it's the lager as opposed to the ale. Right. So it kind of hid those off a little bit. Right, right. Well, and you probably can't, from a brewer's perspective, and well, maybe we'll have to have Bacon follow up on this, but you know, you have these beers like a lager or a pilsner, I guess, which are, by definition, a little bit lighter of a beer. So you have to have a finer touch with them in the flavor adding. Right. Whereas you can probably be a little bit more aggressive in a stout and get away with it because the stout right. is just such a it's a heavier flavored beer to begin with. Yeah. Nice. That's so when cool. we do when we do the podcast with Kike and Josh from Olentangy River, the Brewmasters. Yeah. These are great questions for them to yeah. find out. Yeah. All right. Well, you ready for number two? Sure. <laughs> you don't sound very <laughs> enthused. I am enthused. I'm just wondering how I'm going to get to my interview this afternoon. I think it's all right. So this is uh, the Dark Truth Imperial Stout. 
from Boulevard. Um, as I mentioned, I, I think this is a really good uh, brewery. They, they do consistently good stuff. And, and I don't know what their barrel count is, but I think they are a little bit bigger. They're, they're more in that kind of mid-range because I, I see them all over the country. Um, in, it's a 9.7% alcohol. Oh, and I, I'm wrong, so I'm going to fact check myself because I'm looking at the, at the bottom here. It is not St. Louis, Missouri. It's Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, that's a big difference when you're in Missouri. That's right. And, and, <laughs> and rips out all of my Budweiser connections. Yeah. There. I uh, actually love Kansas City, Missouri. I've been there two or three times. But when I went there was uh, maybe 15 years ago, so I wasn't really craft beer in it at that point. Mine's more the food than the craft beer. A little barbecue action. Oh, burn ends, man. <laughs> I could eat those for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, you made some on our last podcast here, and I give you full props. Those were legit burnt ends. Yeah, I've been working at it for a long time trying to get that flavor here in Ohio. Nice. So there is no actual description on this bottle to read, <laughs> but... Um, I will it's tell you mystery. this. Yeah, exactly. It's a mystery liquid. I, I will tell you that this is uh, much more of a uh, kind of down the middle imperial stuff. It does not have barrel aging. Okay. So you're going to get a little bit more. Well, I'm not going to taint your review of this, but I also decided that I think we need sound effects. <laughs> I will see what I can do. Or maybe like, you know, the little, if we bring out a special beer, the little like uh, horn blowing. Doo -doo -doo -doo. So a little bit, it, I mean, they're, they're all dark, right? But this is dark, dark, inky dark. It's got a good smell. Good, or is that aroma? Are we that highbrow? I don't think so. It smells nice. <laughs> Ooh, that's clean. Yeah. Not, so to contrast it with the CBS, right? Not sweet at all. Well, not uh, sweet. Not sweet. But but I guess a slight, slight sweetness in there. Not a lot. I, I think the immediate thing for me is the CBS was very layered. Yep. It had a front end, a middle, and a back end. Yeah. This is kind of all one, all one note. It's here. Wait. Now I'm getting a little bit of a back end, a yeah. coffee yep. kind of back end. Yeah. But it took a while to get there. Yeah. Well, I, I like your I like your review of that because I think that's I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're totally right. It is much more of a straightforward beer, much more of a straightforward uh, stout. It is it is an imperial stout, but it is not super alcoholic you can you can tell it's there but they do a good job of of kind of masking it a bit yeah if you're not looking for like a frill on your on your stout and yeah. just want a good straight down the fairway stout yeah. and and we're not talking like a guinness this is more of an imperial stout yeah. a little boozier yeah. um I, man i think that's your yeah i'd agree i mean i mean to the point we were talking about before about how stouts are a bit they're a bit of a dividing line. This is a this is one that it, as long as the 
as long as the individual is okay with with a little bit of high alcohol component to it, this is a pretty drinkable stout. It's not it's not overly sweet. It's not you know my biggest complaint on, on stouts is like I said before, like when they get kind of leathery tasting or or. I guess some people can like the tobacco taste. I, I would respect that, but I'm not a fan of that taste. This beer does not have any of that. This this beer is a smooth tasting, just imperial stout with no sweetness. Yeah, I, I agree. But but really good quality. Yeah, you can tell that it's it's made well, and it, it's very as as I said, it, it is uh, very widely distributed. Um, so. You can get this thing, and it is consistently good. But I, but again, to, to some of the seasonal stuff we're talking about, I don't, you're not drinking this in July. No, 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 no. Right. This is not an after the mow the no. lawn no. kind of beer. <laughs> right. I want to get refreshed. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the viscosity um, after mowing the lawn is way too heavy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like uh, Will Ferrell, you know, I chose a bad day to drink milk, right? <laughs> milk was the wrong choice. Yeah, yeah. You're not drinking this after you... Uh, after a long workout, yeah, you're not going to chug some whole milk. No, no. <laughs> they, uh, as I mentioned, they have um, a quad. I think it's a barrel-aged quad from Boulevard um, that I like as well. I mean, you have to, you have to be into Belgians. You have to be into the quad component, but um, it is also very um, consistently good. And for me, it's always funny because I, you know, I like, I like that whole class of Belgian beers and sometimes the Belgian stuff is hard to find. And also sometimes um, the kind of medium sized brewers um, aren't producing Belgians for whatever reason. And uh, these guys do it. And, and that quad is really good and so i like it because it kind of becomes a go-to beer for me because i know if i walk into a grocery store it's going to be there because boulevard has the, distri the distribution whatever <laughs> what did you say before I, I don't even uh, remember whatever it doesn't matter but we're, we're uh, two beers in at 9 30 yeah uh, well we have in theory let's see what's 11.3 plus 9.7 We've just consumed 21% in a few drinks. <laughs> you okay with that? I'm, I'm fine. So far. <laughs> so far. So, you want to move on to the... The Holy Daddy? Grail? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. So, this is the Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout. As they say in the bottle, the original. Right. Uh, this is the 2019 version of this. Okay, so they make they make this each year, and some will fact check us on this, but they they I believe they generally release this with two other beers. They have like a a barley wine that they do, and I can't remember what the third one is, but they they release them in December every year. Um, they call this, they have a little kind of like flip tag on this bottle, which I actually kind of find cool. You know, they have yeah. a little flag like hanging off the bottle. It says the original bourbon barrel aged out. And that goes uh, right back to you know, kind of that book I was mentioning. And, and by the way, um, 
the book is called Barrel Aged Out and Selling Out, and the guy that wrote it is um, his name's Josh Noel. Yes. And we're getting close to the holidays, yeah, so I'm actually staring at the Citroen Noel bottle. Uh, I said that. <laughs> Um, he was the, and I, I guess still is, because he was the one that actually covered the the, uh, the Ballast Point acquisition. He's the beer and food writer for the Chicago Tribune. And what you know, what you hear in that in that book is is sort of the the histo- the history of Goose Island. But then what I find interesting about the book is he, is he brings in all these other breweries because InBev and a bunch of these global guys went on like buying. Spree. And what you find is that a lot of your favorite craft beers that you thought were craft beers are not actually craft beers. Right? Yeah, I'm sure they are by definition, but right. they're probably owned by a conglomerate that, right. yeah. And whether you care about that or not, I think is an interesting question. Right? For me, it depends. Do they stay true to the beer making process? Yeah. If they're still making the beer in the way that a craft brewer would make a beer, yeah, then I'm okay with it. Well, and, and that's one of the, the kind of underlying questions that's posed in the book is InBev would tell you, well, why do you care <clears throat> as a craft beer drinker if that craft beer is brewed in bud tanks or in founder's tanks? It's it's the same beer. It's not. I think, I think the smaller the batch, the more control you have over it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did some home brewing for a while yeah. and and you have more control when you do a smaller batch. Yeah. Uh, the bigger that batch gets, the less control you have over that. And the more it can vary a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I go back to my rolling rock example, you know, when rolling rock was brewing out of Latrobe, it had a flavor that was very unique. Some people liked it. Some people hated it. Yep. I, I actually liked it. When Miller bought them out and they started making the same recipe in the big tanks, it, the, the flavor profile changed. Well, I, I can't, I'm, this is going to be an interesting position for me because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not supportive of this position, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to describe for you what InBev's argument there would be. Cause, cause again, they make it in the book at some level. They say, yeah, maybe, but we still, we still brew it. I mean, we're not using the whole system to brew, you know, 10,000 barrels of Elysium IPA, right? We're using a smaller component of the system or they're using a brewery that uh, they essentially assigned to just making craft beer. And then the other thing that they would say is we have consistent, we, you know, our track record of consistent beer making is better than anybody's in the world because they've been making bud for whatever 150 years and what i've always heard i'm not you know i'll acknowledge that i'm not a craft brewer myself i'm a craft drinker but what i've always kind of heard is that you know even the small guys will acknowledge that bud does a good job or miller do a good job because they're making a pilsner and pilsners are the most sensitive beers if you get them wrong you can taste it right away and they consistently crank that stuff out really well. So what they would say is us bringing craft into our tanks is actually better for you as a craft beer drinker because we make it more consistent. So let's go back to our interview with Olentangy yep. River. Yep. How many beers did they come up with by accident? Yep. 
Well, at, at, at least two, and and their number one beer was an accident. That's what they told us, right? Right. You don't get those in a mass-produced, huge facility. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm just, I'm trying to offer that sort of other side of the opinion there. And I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I think that the stuff that I like tends to be a little bit more smaller made, smaller brewer, taking a little bit more risk. Well, you and I like the barrel aged and yeah. Yeah, you know, that takes time. Okay, and that's... We're about to crack open a barrel aged InBev made beer. Here. This is Goose Island, which is owned by InBev. They've transferred all of their barrel aging expertise or operations into InBev. Now I, I, you know, I think there's probably still, you know, Goose Island people there, you know, uh, although if you read the book, a lot of, I think a lot of people are, are gone, but, but you say that, and that, I guess that's part of my point is that they are capable now because of their acquisitions of doing these things. This is this bottle that I'm holding my hand is an InBev bottle. Think about that. So you're underselling what we're going to do here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I brought I brought a Paul to the entire podcast with my my devil's advocate position. I guess you know when I when I was getting my MBA, we did a study on some bigger businesses that really um, took advantage of some small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so ever since then, I've been a small business proponent. Um. And, and so I, I want to fight for the small guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the, that's the allure. That's the esprit de corps of being a craft guy is that you want to support those small guys. You want to support Ryan. Right. Nolan Tangy River. And maybe it's more important that it is like your local microbrew, right? Your hometown microbrewery, the guy that you can go down the street. It's and that. That concept we talked about with Olentage River, like having a, a hometown brewery, like that is, this is mine. Right. You almost have ownership in it, even though you don't, but like you feel like you have kind of, you know, ownership in that place. Yeah. All right. So I, I have now poured. So now I'm going to drink the Walmart of beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like balance. It's like the flagship, like. You know, the founding lineage of barrel aging, yet made by Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't work, but all right. All right. I'm, I'm super excited for this. Yeah, what do you mm. think, smell-wise? Uh, it's got a little fruit note to it. Yeah. Oh, I got to read the bottle. Sorry. Uh, what do we say? Brewed barrel-aged notes of vanilla, toffee, chocolate, Burnt sugar and dried fruit. So there's your there's your fruit component. Hmm. Yeah. Just a. Hmm. Oh, I. No, no. It's it's good. It's it's a little more. It's a lot more complex than the last one we drank. Yeah, versus the dark truth from. From Boulevard for sure. Right, it has a lot, a lot more layers to it. 
Yeah, it is a... Uh, Ooh, there's the toffee on the end. Yeah. It is a... Uh, it's it's sweet. It actually... Yeah, I can feel the stickiness a little bit. Um, it... Uh, not to overuse the word, but it is a complex beer. Like, there's a lot of layers in there. But it doesn't get... Sometimes you can get like 50 layers and you're like, oh my God, what, what, what the hell's going on? This, this beer, yeah, it you makes can sense. tell the professional quality of this beer. Yeah, it de definitely makes sense. Yep. Um, man, that toffee is strong at the end. I've yeah. never had anything that yeah. had that caramely toffee feel it, that it was that pronounced. Yeah. I would venture to say this is actually sweeter than the CBS. Would you agree with that? I would agree. And... Because of that, I I don't know. I, I it's a little it's right on the line of too sweet for me. Yeah, I this is a Christmas Eve. Sit down by the fire. Yeah. Have a half a glass. Yeah. And I'd be okay. Yeah. I think more than that, it would be way too much. Yeah. Um, but I like it. I I, I think it's very different. Um, so we never really rated the Boulevard. Oh yeah. Sorry. So I would probably give that an eight. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. It, eight, eight and a half. Cause it's for, for me, style wise, it's there, but I like bourbon age stuff better, but that beer as an Imperial stout is a great Imperial stout. So I think it, it warrants like an eight, eight and a half for sure. This as like a five ounce sipper nightcap. I'd probably give in that eight to eight five range, but as a full glass, I'd probably have to go a six. Yeah, I'm trying to thinking about that a little bit. So I don't know. I I, I I kind of think of this a little bit more in the six to seven range, only because I think it, it's it's pros are the complexity for sure, and it's smoothness it's quality you can taste all that but i think i think for me it's a little bit too sweet i i, I agree with your comment that i don't know that i could drink a whole bottle of this because my stomach would get like a little bit it wouldn't handle the sweetness after a while be like, eh. yeah i think it, i think it's a five ounce pour yep uh at most yep it's a dessert for sure right uh like after dinner yeah, you're I probably just, drinking it out of a semi-snifter glass. Probably right? not the best breakfast beer. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, at 10 a.m. it might be a little too sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the toffee notes. It's I have to give it credit because that toffee note is really strong at the end. Yeah. Like I feel like I just ate a Rolo. <laughs> Is there some kind of like dunking action? You know how you dunk an Oreo in milk? Could you dunk a Rolo in a stout? I, I, you probably could. We, we I don't know if it would soak up much. Right. right. Maybe yeah. if you nibbled it and then like scooped it, made it a vessel. <laughs> right. That's brilliant, <laughs> right? A little bit of beer shot in the Rolo. Yeah, there you go. We might have to think about a term for that. I can't come off off the top of my head. I can't come up with it, but by the next podcast, we're going to have a term for that. The beer dunk. Vesseling. Vesseling. Eh, all right. I don't, know. I don't know. So one other note on this, 
because we'll do the math here in a second. 14.7% alcohol. Woo! Now, that actually causes me to slightly rate it a little bit higher. Um, not, not because I'm, you know, hey, great, I want super high alcohol, although I, I do like alcohol beers. Um, what I like about it is... I think I know where you're going. Their ability to control this beer. Because I, if you would have asked me what the alcohol content is, yeah. I would not have said 14%. I wouldn't have either. I, in fact, I was thinking to myself, it's got to be a 10, 11 percenter. I tilted up the bottle here and was pretty surprised that it was 14.7. Because you and I have had this conversation. But what I find is that when you get over 13 or 14 percent in a beer, they get really syrupy. Now... That's there are some guys who are able to control it and it doesn't get that way, but I, I feel like six times out of ten I, I taste something like that and I'm like, oh gosh, it, it it it's so sweet and it's so syrupy it just doesn't taste good. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. Um I don't get the booziness no. on this one, the, even as much as the other two we've already had. Right. I uh, totally agree with that. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean they so, so this is almost like three or four percent higher of an alcohol content than the previous two beers, yet it's got less of an alcohol back to it than those two beers. I think it's heavier in the chocolate and toffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get that way more than boozy. Yeah, for sure. So if we add that up, we've now had 35.7%. Now we haven't drank all these beers, but I'm just right. Just saying. Right, we we are just tasting right. uh, people out there. Uh, we are not chugging any of these or uh, drinking full bottles or any. Uh, Thank goodness, because Tangi County sheriffs out there. I'm only <laughs> sampling these beers. De- Delaware County. Delaware County. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I probably should also not disclose where my destination is after this. Correct. I did want to. I did want to let you know. We we dropped by. I said we dropped by in Olentangy last night to yeah. have a snow pants. Yeah. Um, they still have some of the barrel aged beer on tap from the one year anniversary. Um, and you know, I I know that they were episode one for us. Yeah. So a special place in my heart. But that barrel aged uh, Russian Russian Imperial Stout that I can't feel my pants with the rye barrel. Yeah. Still phenomenal. Gotta go try that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much longer it'll be there. It was there last night. Are you uh, implying that I should stop on my way home? Uh, they they smell the they, to the they, east side of the city. <laughs> <laughs> they they sell they smell them they sell the mini growler. Yeah, that's right. I bought when we went there. I bought two mini growlers, and I really like that as the format because I think there are about three beers essentially in yeah, there. It's thirty two ounces. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. I like that. Because then I don't have to have a whole growler sitting there, you know. I'm kind of a fan of the crowler. Is that the can? Yeah, yeah. the 32-ounce can. Because then you can keep it in your fridge. Yep. If you don't get to it in a, in a week, you're still fine. Yeah. Uh, although, and this is something maybe we need to talk about on the podcast. How long does a growler last before you crack it? And I've made it, I've made it two weeks and still good carbonation. Yeah. Um, if you... Really twist that cap on tight. Yeah. You mean you mean how long does it last if you've bought it sealed 
or how long does it last after you've cracked it? How long does it last bought it sealed? Maybe Bacon can weigh in on that. Because I, I, there's probably some science to that, maybe, and then there's sort of the reality of it, right? I, I think that, I don't know, in theory, it should hold, right? You're refrigerating it. It's not, there's no air being induced to it. It should stay. So I bought, uh, we were at Noctera a couple weeks ago. I bought some of their phase two for my nephew for his birthday. Yeah. He ended up getting the flu. Uh, so I couldn't deliver it to him. So Matt and I finished it off, uh, after our last podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not, not nice. Not nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was good going down. <laughs> um, but it still held up two weeks after the fact, uh, in a, in a growler. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, the other thing that I, I sort of wonder about growlers, I'm, I'm kind of interested to to hear your response to this is I kind of have gone away from buying growlers just because I end up with like all kinds of empty brown bottles like in my garage. And then I'm kind of hesitant to reuse them. Do you actually reuse, do you take it back? So uh, I, mean, I, I don't do. like paying the two or three bucks or whatever they charge me for it. But I also think this thing's been sitting in my garage for like a month. I so I, I wash it. it out. You do. Okay. And then I take it in right. and reuse it. Now, if you go to the Daily Growler, yeah. uh, which is a little chain here yeah. in, in Columbus, yeah. they actually give you a fresh bottle. You hand in your growler, they give you a new one, oh. and then they clean it. Like trade-in. Correct. Mm. And what's neat about them, um, and I do have to give this a plug, one, they only fill their own because of that. Okay. Yeah, right. You can't bring other... Yeah. But you can interchange the 32 ounce and the 64 ounce with no charge. Oh, that's great. Back and forth. Well, they should let you do that because you're buying more beer or whatever, right? Right. Well, and and that's one of the reasons why, to your point, the, the crawler, I, I've kind of gone more to the crawler because then I can just sort of dispose of it. I can recycle it once I'm done with it. Yeah, right now I think I'm I'm, come, I'm actually starting a collection of growlers <laughs> of all the different places I've been. Um and I'm not sure my wife is extremely enamored with that collection. Yeah. Nice. But, well, we've tried three breakfast beers. I don't know if that last one's a breakfast beer, dude. Yeah, I mean, to be dead honest, I'm stretching the definition of breakfast beer. Although, I was thinking that um, we should probably do a podcast on breakfast beers. Because there is absolutely sort of a class of beers that you consume before 11 or 10 a.m. or whatever. I actually read a story at one time about a microbrewery in Florida. And they're Mickey's Big Mouth, man. <laughs> oh, yeah? Mickey's Big Oh, in college, man, that was my that was my pre-noon beer. Mickey's Big Mouth. I've actually been to the uh, brewery. I, I would probably Mickey's vomit now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to take that out of the breakfast mix there's there's a there's a probably an overlay of breakfast beers during the stage of your life (laughs) right right well you've seen the nfl commercial right the guy the guy has his coarse light in his his robe pockets (laughs) you know know, my son said to me he goes how come that guy's got pepsis in his robe (laughs) those aren't pepsis and then i had to explain to him what they were 
proud, proud moment. Yeah. So. Just wait till that day you get to sit down and have that Pepsi with your son. Well, that'll be, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun actually. Right. Certainly when, you know, that won't be prior to him being 21. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I just did father's weekend at OU nice. with my 18 year old daughter. Uh, we hit two breweries. Nice. Uh, during that weekend, we had Devil's Kettle and Jackie O's. Jackie O's is a great brewery. Um, I had the Dark Apparition last night at uh, at dinner, and they have a they have a barrel aged version. They have two barrel aged versions of the Dark Apparition. I think I think I had that yeah. when I was down there. And they used to sell it. They don't anymore at Giant Eagle. That beer is great. Yeah, I'd love to get a podcast with Jackie O's. Yeah. Uh, and Devil's Kettle. That's the one with the solar-powered brewery. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's definitely in our on our hit list. With my daughter down there, I'm, I'm heading down there all the time, so hopefully we can make a connection, do a little guy's road trip, all right. head let's to Athens. Yeah. And then Halloween let's get that, weekend. Let's get, yeah. <laughs> Tip some cars over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's, I mean, probably not prior to Christmas, because I don't think seasonally it's correct, but. I think when we get into like January, February, maybe doing a breakfast beer. Have you ever had any of the, uh, the uh, like there's a this beer, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's like Schohofer. It's a Rattler. Sort of that line of Rattlers. Where it's not. like beer mixed with either lemonade or uh, grapefruit soda. They're like so as a breakfast beer. Actually, 101 Beer Kitchen, another great place here in Columbus to, to go for, uh, for craft beers. Um, when you go there for breakfast, they have it on their menu as a, as a pairing for your breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know at Old Manor, they have a lemonade beer. Yeah. It's it's really just their lager, and they actually just pour lemonade into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and it is, that is that mow your lawn beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's refreshing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I think we do a breakfast beer thing at some point. Yeah, that sounds fun, man. Yeah. This was great. This, this is was awesome. Good time. Yeah. Uh, this, these are beers that um, our compatriots not wouldn't necessarily be into. This is a me and you podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that tree bark piney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like a, like I'm chewing on part of the Christmas tree. That one. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, Mike and Matt. That's all, what they're all about. But hey, I'm hooking up with Matt later today to do the Zaftig. That's gonna be awesome. Um, we're gonna introduce you to a new uh, cast in our in our lineup and that's my nephew nick yep. uh 29 year old uh, i think he's over a thousand check-ins on on place well, 29 he should be. yeah uh so he's gonna bring a different element he's 29 years yep. old uh so that'll be fun to see that uh thank you so much for joining us today i hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon thank you everybody peace out This has been Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Again, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that like button or subscribe button. And feel free to give us a really good rating. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much again for joining us and we'll see you next time on Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter.